Today, um, I want to talk to you about a topic that uh, kind of dominates our lives. It really uh, kind of drives us in who we are. Uh, much of our lives are spent in a pursuit of it. Uh, we long for it, but if we're honest, frequently we are very scared of it. Um, many of our favorite songs are about it. We watch movies all the time based on it. Book after book has been written on the topic. And think about it. What do you think the topic is for today? Love. Love. If I were a betting man, which I only make sure bets, and this is almost a sure bet, I would bet you that when you get in the car leaving here and you turn on the radio, that there will be a song about love. Maybe, you know, whatever radio station you listen to, there's some of the greatest songs of all time. You know, like Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You, right? Uh, the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? Queen's Crazy Little Thing Called Love? Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It? Foreigner's I Want to Know What Love Is? Stevie Wonder, I Just Called to Say I Love You? Um, or I know all of you are big fans of Taylor Swift and her love story, Right? And so, as a human race, we're infatuated with this idea of love. We want love. We want to receive love. But it kind of is scary. Because when you open yourself up to love someone, that means that that person is in a place in your life where they can hurt you. So with love comes a chance for pain. And that's what's so scary about it. And that's why um, so many times in our culture, it just gets twisted. Um, Scripture speaks a lot, a lot about love. Um, And one passage that uh, we really like, we like this passage, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And we like that, right? Because we want to receive that kind of love. We want to get that kind of love in our life. But then there's the challenge of when we come to today's passage in Luke. um, What we do here at Potter's House is we work through um, parts of the Bible. And we're working through Luke right now. And we're in the middle of one of Jesus' sermons. In the beginning of his sermon, he's just laid out um, how, basically, if you're a follower of Christ, bad things are going to happen to you. It's going to be rough. You're going to have rough times. Rough things are going to happen. But you're blessed by God for going through that on account of Christ. And he comes out of that, and that whole section that we covered the last two weeks. And he says this in verse 27 of uh, chapter 6 of Luke. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Wait a second. We, we don't want to love people that would hurt us. By definition, an enemy is someone who wants to hurt us. And Jesus is saying, love those people who want to hurt you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So Jesus lays it out here, and he kind of redefines what love is. We look at love as as this emotion, right? Um, It's this feeling that that we have, and uh, we want to, to have this with another person, and we want to to be loved by them and to love them and to be safe in that. And Jesus says, no, no, it's not about your safety. It's not about protecting your emotions, but it's about laying yourself out there. And you get rewarded by God who is far better. And so today, uh, looking at this passage, I was looking at it and I was like, well, what can we learn about love from what Jesus says here? And I found 10 things in this passage that we can learn about love. Um, from what Jesus tells us. And uh, I, as I was working on this, my, uh, my preaching professor from seminary came into my mind. And his name was Dr. Vogel. And he had a very, very deep voice. I can't even get my voice as deep as his. Um, and so he could really command your attention just with the depth of his voice. Um, but uh, he, he would, at this point, he would be saying, Now, Wayne, you should never have a sermon with ten points because people cannot remember ten points. At most four, best three. So for the Dr. Vogels out there, I have one point with 10 subpoints. So the main point is love. But what do we learn about love from this passage? First, we see that love blesses. Love blesses. Uh, he tells us um, to bless and not to curse, to pray for those who abuse you. Um, this, is, this is something that we all want in our lives. We all want to be blessed And so we should do that in in return. We should bless others. We should bless them by praying for them. Um, And and then next thing we see is that love demonstrates self-control. This turn the other cheek passage in in here is one that is so hard for Christians to understand and apply. Because um, is, is it, you know, is Jesus being very literal here? Is he saying that somebody smacks you in the face, you say, thank you, sir. May I have another? Like, is, is that, is that what you're supposed to do? Is that what Jesus is getting at here? Um, well, no, I don't think so because in a minute we're going to come back and look at all this specifically with Jesus as an application of it. But another Jesus demonstrated how to do this, but also Paul did as well. Um, there's a, a time in Acts uh, where uh, Paul has been uh, falsely accused, beaten, thrown into prison. Um, and then uh, the city leaders kind of cooled down. They, you know, they, they had high tempers. They cooled down and they're like, you know what? Just go tell those guys they can leave. If they'll just be quiet and slip out of town, they can just leave and be gone. Um, and we'll be done with them. 
But uh, what Paul does is he says, um, excuse me, uh, I'm, no, we're not just going to slip away. Uh, in fact, uh, we're Roman citizens, which was a big deal. Um, and uh, you beat us without a trial. And so um, those who did that, we want them to come and personally escort us out of the prison. Right? And so, uh, so Paul is showing, he's, he's demonstrating he, he's under self-control. When he was being beaten, he could have screamed out, I'm a Roman citizen, I'm calling down the, the royal guard on you to take you out for doing this. But he didn't. He demonstrated self-control. But then at the appropriate time, he brought up those facts. And he, and he said, he, he brought up his, uh, kind of his standing and where he was. So that's one place where we see um, this kind of balance of what you're really looking for is self-control in these kind of situations where you're not flying off the handle and, oh, they hit me, I'm going to hit them back, and I'm going to get them. And even, even if it's not literal, we don't really have that much of a slapping society today, right? Like it's, a lot of it's more uh, um, verbal abuse and like backstabbing and that kind of thing, right? Um, so how do we demonstrate self-control in those kind of situations? Um, because... We have to balance passages like this one with passages like Luke twenty two thirty six, where Jesus told his disciples to go buy a sword. Right? And so, obviously, Jesus is not, his intent is not just for, for Christians to be um, passive people who just get beat up all the time. Like, we're not just to be punching bags. But at the same time, we're not to be people who fly off the handle, lose our cool, um, and... Uh, demonstrate a bad representation of Christ and what he's done for us. Next thing about love, love gives. Love gives. Um, this passage is uh, another part that's kind of hard to understand. He's, Jesus says to give to everyone who asks you. If someone takes your coat, give them their, your shirt too, is basically what he's saying. And man, is that challenging. And then we look at other passages of Scripture, like in Proverbs, where um, it gives so many warnings about the sluggard and uh, the sluggard who that lifestyle is going to lead to, uh, to poverty. Um, we also um, think of a passage where in, in 2 Thessalonians, and I'll turn there, 2 Thessalonians 3, um, and uh, start, starting in verse 6. But uh, what has happened is um, we see in the early church that... Uh, um, they follow Jesus' teaching here. Um, after um, the Holy Spirit came and the church is growing, what did the people do? They sold their possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. So they were literally following what Jesus said. Well, a little bit down the road in the church, after a little bit of time, they started to see this being abused. Um, because some people in the church were kind of just sitting around on their bums, not doing anything, and basically living off of everybody else. They were abusing the system. And so Paul then gave them this instruction uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3, starting at verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. He's talking about people who were just sitting around um, feeding off the system. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. 
If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And so we we look at these passages and we're like, okay, so Jesus tells us to give to anybody who asks of us. And then Paul says, hey, if they don't work, don't they don't eat. So how do we put up? How do we balance that? Well, part of the balance there is knowing the difference between the two, the the two contexts. Jesus is, is specifically talking about our enemies, those who are outside of the church, those who are not believers, those who do not have the hope of salvation in Christ. And so for them, we need to show as much love and compassion as we possibly can. Paul is talking about those who claim to be followers of Christ, yet who are putting a bad reputation on the church and on Christ by being idle and being lazy. And he's telling them, hey, they need to get to work. They need to represent Christ better. And so that's not to say that we don't take care of Christians who are in need. We all fall into times of need, and that's what the church is here for, right? Um, and, and so, uh, but at the same time, we don't want to uh, empower someone in not taking care of themselves, right? We don't want to uh, foster uh, a community of uh, dependency. Um, a lot of uh, research has been done on this lately, and um, humanitarian aid groups are actually kind of changing some of their philosophies and what they're doing now um, because of this mentality. Um, you know, uh, some companies, I'm not, I'm not going to name any names. These, some will probably come to some of your minds. So I'm not speaking bad of these companies. I'm just telling you what has worked out in the world. Uh, there's been some companies that do things like, you know, uh, you buy a pair of shoes from us. We're going to give a free pair of shoes to somebody in a third world country that needs a pair of shoes. Okay. That sounds great, right? We, we want to get behind that. We're like, wow, that is a, an awesome cause. Like these poor people don't have shoes. We want to give them shoes. Well, what uh, the humanitarians have actually seen on a broader scale as this is, has played out is as these people come in and dump thousands of shoes in this village, well, now there was a woman, um, a single mom, who was providing by her, for her family by making shoes and selling them. Well, now what has happened to her job? It's squashed because all of a sudden there's just free shoes everywhere. And, uh, and so nobody's buying her shoes anymore because they can just get free shoes from these people down the street, right? And so we have to be smart about how we take care of people and how we love people. Um, and I don't have all the answers, um, but I know that uh, if, if it ever comes down to a question of uh, do we help this person or do we not help this person, then you've got you're, you've already answered it wrong because you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, what is the most loving thing to do for this person? How do I love this person in this situation? Do I meet their their immediate physical need, or do I help them learn how to meet that need on their own, um, or do I do both? Usually, that's the answer. Is that, yes, I'll help you with this, but I'll also help you try to find a job. You know, yes, I'll help you with this, but yes, I'll also help you learn how to put your resume together. 
you know? And so, so that's, that's the right question. And that's what Jesus is getting at here is we're to love these people and to do what we can do to help them, which is the next thing is the fact that love does. Um, it's not just an emotion. Love is hands and feet. Do to others as you would have them do to you is what he says here. The next one, love does, um, does not seek a return. It seeks no return. It's not in it for ourselves. If, you grow, if you're tr- trying to practice love by saying, well, what am I going to get out of this? Well, you're going to be disappointed. That's what you're going to get. You get a whole bag of disappointment. Uh, because that's where that, that pain and, and all comes in from where when we place our, our love on someone else and we're expecting them to reciprocate that and to fill us back up, uh, well, then we're going to be disappointed. Um, another uh, song comes uh, to mind here. Uh, um, how many of you guys have seen the, it was back in like the 90s, the, the Saturday Night Live sketch with Night at the Roxbury? Anybody? Anybody? How's the song go? Huh? Anybody? Stephen, I think you got it. Huh? Yeah, what is love? The song, basically, it's just over and over again. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me no more. And that's the whole song, but it's to a good beat. So they do their head like this the whole time, right? In the car. So it's kind of funny. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's our approach to it, you know? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt because we think it's about us. But what Jesus is saying, no, true and genuine love is not seeking what's in it for you, but it's giving to others. Um, but even though we know that it, we do not do it to seek a return, what Jesus promises is that we will be rewarded, that we'll be rewarded by God for demonstrating this kind of love. And so it is rewarded Next, love is kind. It is undeserved. It is merciful. And it is from God. So, some of you might be thinking, Wayne, did you forget that it's like Easter today? Because you haven't talked about Easter at all, and it's Easter. Like, we're, we came to church because it's Easter, and you're supposed to talk about Easter. Okay, let's talk about Easter. Easter is the greatest demonstration of love the world has ever seen. It is the greatest example of this. Let's go back, go back a slide. It is the greatest example of this that the world has ever seen. Think about it. Jesus blesses. Even when he's on the cross dying in the most physical agonizing pain the world... It's the, it's the worst way to die that, that the world's ever really cooked up. Okay? Like, you know, we, we're outraged about chemical weapons now. It had nothing on the Roman torture system and what they did to just physical pain to kill, kill someone. While Jesus is going through this, he prays for those people who are literally doing it to him and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He blesses them. He demonstrates the greatest self-control. If anyone had the ability to get off that cross, it was him. He had legions of angels at his disposal that he could have called down into a battle, but yet he willfully chose to demonstrate self-control and go and do this. Uh, we even have one scene where um, he's facing trial and one of, the, one of the guards that's there slaps him and hits him. And did he turn and say, thank you, may I have another? No. He said, well, why did you hit me? Did, was what I said not true? If it was true, then why did you hit me? 
Um, and so he demonstrates that self-control there that we're talking about. Jesus gives. He gives ultimately of his life. And it wasn't something just figurative. It was something that he did. It was action. He laid down his life for us. What did he get out of it? When he was going into it, it was all about just his love for us and his obedience to the Father. Because we see the scene in the garden where he's praying. And he's saying, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way that we can make mankind right with us, let's do that because I don't want to do this. But not my will, but your will be done. He wasn't in it for himself. He sought no return. But yet he was rewarded. He was rewarded with resurrection. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. Is the fact that he defeated death. He defeated sin. And he offers that defeat for us. He gives us that freely. And he was rewarded in his faithfulness. And in uh, Philippians it tells us that that his name is exalted above any other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So he has been rewarded. This was the ultimate act of kindness. And yet, it was, that's because it was completely undeserved. Just as he says here, God, um, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's us. We are the ungrateful. We are the evil. To be evil means that you are an enemy of God. To be an enemy of God means that you're a sinner. So if you have ever broken God's word, if you've ever gone against God's will, then you are literally an enemy of God. And so we can be so thankful that Jesus practiced what he preached and he loved his enemies. He loved us while we were still his enemies. He died for us because he is merciful and it all comes from the will of God. And that is the Easter story, and that is the good news, and that's what shapes us and defines us as Christians. If you're here today and, and you have never really understood this, you've never really um, grasped this in your life, I encourage you that you can. Jesus offers this forgiveness, this pardon from death. He offers it freely. It's a free gift. We think about gifts at Easter with the Easter bunny or, you know, Easter egg hunts and all that kind of stuff, which is all fun and good. But ultimately, the gift at Easter is the gift of life. Life eternal that only Jesus gives. And so I ask you, have you accepted that gift Is that a part of your life? Have you been changed by that? Because it is so, so important. And you can do that today. You can do that as simply as as confessing to him the fact that you are an enemy. But yet you want to ask him for his forgiveness. And that's a prayer that he is glad to answer. Romans, it tells us all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Revelations, it tells in Revelation, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. 
So maybe today you're sensing Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And it's time to open that door and say, come in. I believe. I believe that you're the son of God. You came and lived a sinless life and yet you paid the price by dying on the cross. A price you did not owe, but you paid it on my behalf. And I believe that you paid my price by the fact that you raised from the dead and you defeated even death. So I encourage you today to do that if you've never done it. It'll change your life. It's the most important decision you can ever make. But then, for those of us who have made that decision, those of us who are following Christ, what does all of this mean for us? It means that we need to follow what Jesus says here. Um, William Tyndale said it this way, The office of love is to pour out again the same goodness that one has received from God on one's neighbor. And if you're a Christian who's experienced the hope of Easter, then our response to that is to know, since we know that level of love that God has given to us, our response is to show that love to others. Whether they be our arch enemies or our best friends. Our job is to demonstrate the love of God through our lives in the way that we react to others, in the way that we demonstrate that to others. So let us pray. Jesus, we do thank you for the the good news of Easter. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for the way that you did it. God, we know that it was at great cost that you sent your son. We, we know this was not something that we should take lightly. That the creator of the universe, the word through which everything was created, came and took on human flesh, showed us how to live, taught us how to live, and then died because we've messed it up. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that love. Thank you for that mercy. God, let us live in light of that love in our lives.